Good morning, everyone. That may be the best one ever. Go ahead and tell yourself congratulations. First uh, Corinthians chapter twelve. Um, let me uh, let me pray for us, and we're going to dig into what God has for us this morning. Thank you. God, for your son Jesus, thank you for the opportunity you just gave us to, to sing songs, to proclaim the truth of who you are and who your son is and what you've done to bring us into your presence. Uh, God, I thank you for Jesus. Lord, I ask you know, now that you would uh, guide our thoughts and guide our, um, uh, our words this morning, guide my words this morning, and, and help us to be free from distraction and center in on your son Jesus and what he has done here for us. Uh, it's in Christ's name that I pray. Amen. Uh, so um, I want to start out with this simple statement. Um, serving invokes and stokes the presence of God. Um, I think when we consider, so this, this whole series is equipped to serve and, and the big picture, the, the point that we're trying to to get to, uh, to convince ourselves of, is that every single one of us, if we have Christ in us, is equipped to serve. So we, we want us to walk around our lives understanding that God has specifically ordained and equipped us to serve. But I think at the beginning, it, it does us well to think about this idea that serving invokes and stokes the presence of God. The presence of God is in you, and when you serve... His presence is stoked like a, like a fire that is just an ember. And when you serve, that fire becomes a big flame, raging flame. Um, and, uh, and I think, I said this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the character of, of Christ, that the, we are self-interested creatures, but we mess it up and try and provide for our own self-interest. But let me tell you this. Scripture teaches and experience teaches that the most self-interested thing that you can do is to serve people. That's the most self-interested thing you could, you could do is to serve people. Um, Christ is our example. He came to this earth to serve you in a way that you could not serve yourself. Like, hear, hear the specificity of those words. Jesus came to this earth to serve you in a way that you could not serve yourself. And he came to this earth to serve you in a way that only he was capable of serving you. And so that idea, that notion, as, as Davis talked and, and, and during the call to worship time, like, that's our call. We're to find ways where, where we can serve people that can't serve themselves and ways that God is, is specifically designed and equipped you to serve. Uh, the last verse that Kelly read and the last verse we'll deal with today says common good. Um, common good is a phrase that's it's really been, um, it's really been ringing in my head the last, uh, the last couple of days as I've, or this, this week actually common good. It's, it's good for the servant and good for the one that's being served. Um, and it's, it's interesting 
again, God is, God is always really cool about, like, timing, that we're, we're starting this Equipped to Serve series with these passages on a day when the Kuntz family and the Brockmeyer family, it's their last one here. And, and I, th- I think about, like, as we knew that September 3rd was, was their last day, and we're thinking about what that would look like, and, you know, how do, how do we process through, what do we do on that day? And then I, I, I just looked at what we had planned to, to teach on September the 3rd, and it's, it's this idea, to serve in the Spirit for the common good. Um, and I, I want to, like, just consider that, to serve in the Spirit for the common good. Um, Jeff has set the tone for our worship uh, at this church since our inception over 10 years ago. Um, he is especially equipped with, with passion and skill to do that. Um, and now the Spirit is leading him in a different way. Um, he's leading him in a different way. And, and if like the truth of this passage, the Spirit is equipping and leading in this passage to serve. This, like, I'm going to say a lot of stuff. I'm going to talk for a while this morning. But I, I want us to, to see that idea that the, the Spirit is equipping and leading us to serve. The Spirit is equipping and leading you to serve for the common good. And if the Spirit is truly doing that, as we say goodbye of sorts, and I don't like that word, to the Kuntzes and the Brockmeyers, like this idea of common good, like just resonates and rests in my spirit that makes today exciting and happy because it's good for North Church, it's good for you as an individual, it's good for the Brockmeyers as individuals, it's good for the Kuntzes as individuals, it's the common good. As the spirit leads, good happens. Um... Dave has given himself to encourage and push us to serve our community. He's taught that. He's, he's led in that. He's done all those, like, he's especially gifted and skilled and equipped with passion and skills to do that, to serve us here in this church. And now the Spirit is leading him in a different direction, and, and that is for our common good. And I, I want us to, to see that. There's much, much more to their roles than just leading worship and teaching and leading. There's, there's, there's families that are involved. And, and they have, Danielle and Megan and the kids have injected their special gifts into us um, for the common good. And I just, that idea, we'll, we'll spend more time when we get to that verse at the end. Um, but I, I, I want to say at, the, at this beginning here that the global church is what we're about here. The common good of the gospel going out is, is the point of, of why we're here. Um, it's not about a person or a specific church or this room or these chairs or and people being in these chairs. Or It's about uh, the gospel going out. Let's, let's dive in, into the passage as, and allow that to just kind of be the, the overheading of, of what's, what's happening here. Um, Verse 1, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. Two things to mention about here. First, concerning spiritual gifts. Um, There are several instances throughout Scripture where where this phrase appears, spiritual gifts. 
Some of them are talking about very specific things like the gift of teaching or the gift of serving or uh, the gift of exhortation or the gift of prophecy or the gift of tongues. There's specific gifts. This is not one of those. The plurality of the Greek word here is just talking about the gifts that God gives his people. And, and effectually what that means is the gifts that God gives his people is himself and his character traits. We call these um, incommunicable attributes. So this is a theological lesson here for a second. Incommunicable attributes of God are his mercy, his love, his justice. There is never a time in history where God is not mercy. And when this spiritual gift, now concerning spiritual gifts, it's that. It's mercy. Now he gives us mercy and we have the opportunity and ability to act in merciful ways because of God's incommunicable gifts that he's given to us. You follow that? So God is always mercy. You are sometimes mercy. God is always just. You are sometimes just. And if you're sometimes just, that means some of the times you're not just. Some of the times you're not mercy. This is what we're talking about here. Now about spiritual gifts. Now about the mercy that you are able to have in your world and in your life. I want you to be, I I don't want you to be uninformed about that. Um, I do not want you to be uninformed. So this is something called part of your fallen condition, all right? Because of sin, because of the world that we live in, because of sin that's in us and it's in this world, we live in a fallen condition. And a piece of that fallen condition is that we're uninformed about who God is and what God has done for us. So um, the, this fallen condition focus is that we don't always know that part of our job is to go and inject the attributes and character traits of God into this world. Like, I want to just, just back up for a second and, and not get lost in there's some guy standing in front of you talking and, and say this very specifically. There are attributes that God has, and the way that he intends to inject those into the world is to the, inject them into you. And then for you to inject those into your circles. I've used that phrase before uh, here several times. Your circles. Your circles are the people that are next to you right now. Those are your circles. God is calling you likely to, to show love, to show mercy, to show justice, to show peace, to show who he is to the person sitting in front of you or behind you or to your left or to your right. That's part of your circles. Where you live is part of your circle. Where you work is part of your circle. Who shares your last name is part of your circle. Your best friends are part of your circle. And God is calling you, and not just calling you, he's equipping you to inject his incommunicable character character traits into those circles. Like, the gravity of that shakes me, and I hope that it shakes you. It's very possible and, and even likely that there's someone in your world that needs to experience the fill-in-the-blank character trait of God. And God's plan is for you to do that. Like somebody needs to understand that God loves them. 
And God's plan is for you to inject the incommunicable love of God into them. And it's your job, your role to figure out what that looks like. It's my job here and that for the next 12 or 13 weeks is to convince us that the Holy Spirit of God is living inside of you, equipping you to be that. You don't get to say, I just don't know what to do. I'm not good. And you don't, you don't, that excuse is taken away from you. I want to say a few things to you. They're going to be on the screen. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for you. It's not earth shattering to hear a pastor in a sermon say God has a plan for you. But it's true. God has a plan for your family. Just go pause for a second after each one of these. God has a plan for you. God has a plan for your family. God has a plan for this church. God has a plan for you to have a role in this church. Which is weird. Because there's people here that are like visiting with us today. And there's people here that are, are leaving us today. But everyone in this room, even the Kuntzes, even the Brockmeyers, God has a, a role for you to play in this church. It's whatever that looks like. I don't know. But God has a role for you to play. To go and serve and plant the gospel through this place. God has a plan for your community. God has a plan for your community. Man, this one gives me great courage and hope. God has a plan for your neighborhood. This, that plan for each one of those things has a lot of moving parts and doesn't make sense a lot of times. But one thing is certain, one thing is constant, is that he wants to inject his character into you so that you can inject that character into your circle. Um, God is making you a messenger. God wants to engage you with his attributes, and God wants you to engage your community with his attributes. Verse 3. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Um, more theology lesson here. Uh, no one is able to call Jesus Lord except when they are in the Spirit. If you have called Jesus Lord, you have the Spirit in you. If you have the Spirit in you, you are fully equipped to do what he's called you to do. Think about that idea. The very Spirit of God lives in you. And Spirit in the Greek is Help me out. Please, please know. Some, somebody to please know what that Greek word is. Starts with a P-N. Pneuma. Very good. Good job. Pneuma. 
it's the, the Spirit. When, when, when we read in this, in this passage, Spirit, it's the Greek word pneuma. And we get our word pneumonia from that word. You guys remember me teaching about this now? <sighs> All right. Thanks, Megan. Um, and the idea, the idea is like pneumonia is a disease that has long liquid in your lungs and in the stuff in your lungs that doesn't allow the breath, the life-giving oxygen to get into every piece of your body. And it's that idea that, that is, is beautiful about this word is the life-giving force of God presses itself into every piece of who you are. The life-giving presence of God, this is the Holy Spirit, bringing the life-giving force of God himself and presses it into every nook and cranny of your soul, your being, so that all of the power and wonder and authority and might and strength and and incommunicable attributes of God are pressing themselves into you always. And God's plan for yourself, for your family, for your church, for everything is that that spirit, that pressing of his character into the fabric of who you are would then engage with the fabric of, of your spheres of influence, your circles. This is God's plan. And it's, it's beautiful and it's super exciting. God is calling us all to this. The Holy Spirit is igniting you. He's like a key being turned, like an engine being started, like a door being opened. All of the action begins with God. And it's the Spirit that lives in you that's doing this. Um, verse 4. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. The next three verses, 4, 5, and 6, are talking about the Trinity. More theology here. The first piece is the Spirit. There are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. The Spirit equips us. Um, The Spirit came here, lives in you, so that the Spirit of God can live in you and gives you very specific talents, very specific gifts. Um, some of you are teachers. I think of Josh. I think of Kelly. I think of Dave. You guys are all teachers. God has made you. I think of Scott. God has made you to be a teacher. Like, like when you're teaching, do you, do you feel like value and worth and, and like who you were created to be? Um, there's a, I'm forgetting the guy's name, but the, there's a, a real true life story about a runner uh, hundred years ago or so, Chariots of Fire. Have you guys ever seen the movie Chariots of Fire? Um, the, it's, it's a true story. And, and the guy says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Because God created him to be a runner. He gave him gifts and talents to be a runner. And when he runs, he does never in any other aspect of his life, does he feel the pleasure of God like he does when he's running. If you're a teacher... Never do you feel the, the pleasure of God like you do when you're running. Do you know why that is? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You're nothing special about, there's nothing about you that's special. It's the Spirit blowing his life-giving breath into the fabric of who you are. 
Some of you are servants. I think of Abram. I think of my wife. I think of uh, Rick Allen. They're, they're here serving, setting up signs all the time. And, and there's like, God has, has created them to serve. And when they serve, they feel the pleasure and presence of God. And not just that, but the character and attributes of God are injected into the world. Like God's plan is, is to inject his character into you and you inject it into the world. I think of merciful people. Uh, Rick Klein, or, or Rebecca Klein and Rick Nyhoff kind of mixed two people there. And the funny part is I grew up with a guy named Rick Klein. Interesting. Uh, they're merciful people. There are other people in here that, that are merciful people. I think of Mandy Walton. You're a merciful person. And when, when like life engages us, God uses you to inject the gift of mercy into people around you. I think of creative people, Danielle, Kyle, like when you create, you're being who God has created you to be. The, the spirit of God is, is ignited and stoked in you. And when you serve the body with that gift, like a flame lights up. Like, Kyle, you can probably connect with this, man. When you're, when you're serving the body to create, like, it's just like nothing before. Like, I've seen you and you, like, you're so excited about that. And this is, like, I want you guys to begin to think and consider these ideas that God has given you very spe- specific emotions and gifts and talents and skills that he wants to use in you to push his character traits into this world. And when you don't do that, you rob everyone, including, mostly including yourself. I think of compassion. I think of both Ben and Stephanie. I think of uh, Megan Brockmeyer, the, just this, the, the compassion that's in your heart. God is equipping you and, and giving you, and this is the Holy Spirit equipping you. Verse 5. We turn our attention to Jesus. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. Whenever you see Lord in Scripture, it's talking specifically about Christ, Jesus Christ. So Jesus demonstrates. Um, one of the, the greatest gifts, aside from our redemption, that Jesus has ever given to us is his example. Dave talked about in the call to worship. Jesus left heaven to come here to inject the character of God into this world. He came to serve. Jesus came to serve you, and he sacrificed to do it. And the beautiful part is, like, while we get to experience that, the reality of the the main motivating factor for Jesus to do what he did was obedience and joy. The most self-interested thing that Jesus Christ ever did was die. Do you, do you, like, we, we sing songs designed to, to tug on our heartstrings about the death and suffering of Christ on the cross. But it was the most self-interested thing that he ever did. Hebrews tells us Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before him. 
the most self-interested thing you can ever do is to follow Jesus' example and serve at a cost to yourself. And test God and see if he won't give you incredible pleasure and joy. Probably not the incredible pleasure and joy that you, that this world would try to convince you of is what you want. But I promise you, just like when you're using your gifts, you feel the pleasure of God. It's the same notion, and Jesus is the perfect example of that. Verse 6. And there are varieties of activities, but it's the same God who empowers them all and everyone. God empowers you. Like, I think we can, we can get lost. Like, the way that we do church now is we sing for a little bit, and then a guy comes up and gives a 30-minute monologue and whatever, and we can get lost in the details of what Scripture just says. But, but look, look at this. There are varieties of activities. Look around you. There's a lot of people with a lot of different skills and gifts and talents and, and circles that they live in. There's a lot of difference here, a lot of variety. But it's the same God who empowers them all. Like, you are empowered. Like, that's, that's very, gospel light. You are empowered. Like, televangelists would tell you that. You're empowered. Go live empowered. But, the scripture is telling you that God is empowering you. You are fully equipped. There's nothing that you need, that you lack to serve the kingdom and get the kind of joy that God intends for you to have. There's nothing that you lack. If there's something that you lack, that means there's something wrong with God. There's nothing that you lack. Verse 7, the most important verse for us to see here today. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I want to see very carefully this word manifestation. It's not manifestations. It's manifestation. Manifestations of the Spirit would be all these different gifts that the Spirit might give to you. That might show up in your life. This is the manifestation of the Spirit. Proof that the Spirit exists in you. God has given that to you. And the purpose of Him giving that to you is for the common good. The common good. It's for your good and everyone around you's good. Do you want to rob yourself of good that God intends to give you? The answer is no. At least I hope it is. I want to say a couple of things to you. They'll be on the screen as well, and I want you to hear them. You have been given gifts to serve in the church. You have been given gifts to serve in the community. Those are indisputable facts. More indisputable facts. Serving in the church benefits you your church, and your community. Like, who doesn't want to sign up for that? Would you like to be benefited? Would you like for your church to be benefited? Would you like for your community to be be benefited? Well, great, because God has a plan 
to do that. And it involves you serving. The second piece, serving in your community benefits you, your church, and your community. So serve here and serve there. Um, I want to end with uh, some gospel conclusion here. When we serve, we're being Jesus. He is our example. He was a missionary that came to this earth and the fullness of God is on display. Allow the gospel to be your guide. Like the gospel says that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So you don't just get to serve those that are worth serving. In fact, the example of Christ would say the opposite of that. He's calling you to serve people that probably aren't worth serving. Who makes you angry? Maybe God is calling you to serve that person. And the beauty part is that it can bring joy and purpose to you. The most self-interested thing you can do is serve people. Even people that don't think or, or live or act or look like you. The most self-interested thing you can do is serve people. It's Christ's example. It's the gospel. Let's, uh, let's pray. God, thank you for the gift of empowering us. Thank you for the gift of the Spirit to equip us. And thank you for the gift of Jesus to be our example. God, I pray that we would uh, follow you faithfully, God. I pray that we would all be encouraged to go and serve as you served. You are a good God a mighty God. God, convince us that you have fully and completely equipped us. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name. Amen.